Bible, um, you can turn to Romans chapter 3, and if you don't, there are a big stack on the table there, and it'll also be on the screen. Um, and we are going to be talking tonight, like Cassie said, about a culture of authenticity. So we've, uh, we're in our second week of seven weeks of uh, the culture of Mosaic, what our community looks like, how we operate. Um, kind of the social norms and values of our church. Um, every church looks a little bit different, and I think that um, out of the brokenness of humanity that has fractured the church over the course of uh, thousands of years, I think God has brought beauty in the fact that there are varieties of churches that reach different types of people, which I think is so awesome. And we're uniquely mosaic, and we can be who we are and not be afraid to be that and not try to be anything that we're not. And so tonight we're really going to be talking about how we as individual followers of Jesus, as, as people, as humans, we can be authentic, and then how as a church we can be authentic as a community and the environment that we create um, together. And so... Um, with that being said, um, authentic, that word authentic is probably kind of a hipster buzzword, I think, at this point, but I like it, so we're going to use it. Um, but Oxford Dictionary says, authentic is to be made or done in a traditional or original way, or in a way that faithfully resembles the original. And I really think that's super cool, because I think of us being uh, faithfully resembling the original, the fact that we're created in the image of God, a perfect God, and that he doesn't just kind of make us in like a widget factory, right? We're not just like off some broken mold someplace and he's like, oh, let's just stamp this human out, right? Let's just make a Darian and make a Riley and let's just, you know, that we're all created in the image of God, the original, that we resemble Jesus in the way that we're born and made and that we're unique and wonderful and created um, in the image of the creator of the universe, which I think is so incredible. Um, and I think as great as the Oxford Dictionary is, I would say authenticity also just speaks to us being our real selves, um, thinking and acting in our uniqueness, realizing our brokenness as human beings and our need for a savior, right? I think part of being authentic is realizing that we're born broken. Um, no one has to teach us how to sin. No one has to teach us how to do things that are wrong. It is in our human nature to be that way, and the only way that we can break free from that is Jesus. And I think that's part of us being authentic. Um, and so I think that this idea of authenticity is incredibly countercultural. Um, I think that our, our world expects something totally different from us. I think of uh, just the idea of, of this, this thing that we have where it says that we should put our best foot forward, right? Have you heard that before? We should put our best foot forward and that we should present the best version of ourselves every day, right? We, I think of it in context of our jobs, you know, that we go to work every day and they expect us to bring our best. We're supposed to show up on time and work hard and kill ourselves for this company or this school district or this whatever it might be. And we we can, are supposed to be mistake-free, and we're supposed to leave all of our personal problems at home, right? We're supposed to come and give 110% all the time. And the moment that we show weakness or we fail or we mess up, right, um, the reality is, is that we live in a world where every job, 100% of the jobs and 100% of the professions 
are replaceable, right? And so when we don't match up or we, we don't uh, present this robot, robotic kind of perfect version of ourselves at work, they'll just swoop in and say, okay, I'm going to change you out for the next guy, right? And so we kind of have to like go about this world in a way that um, is totally against the way that God has created us. And that isn't in every job. It's not like every boss is trying to replace us. But the reality is that we have this pressure to be perfect, right? We have this pressure to not fail or to not mess up, right? That idea of fear of failure, right? If I mess up, my whole world's going to fall apart and I'm never going to be able to pick up the pieces, right? And I think that um, in our American culture, this idea of Americanism or capitalism, or I call it moneyism, um, that we, it doesn't make allowances for us to be ourselves or to be authentic, right? Um, authentic life is not an accepted life in our Western American culture, right? We have, I just think of when, when you put somebody on TV, we were watching a show the other day and this guy was uh, getting ready to go on the, on the news, on, on the weather, you know, he was gonna, he was sitting next to the weather guy and they were putting makeup on his face, right? So even when we go on TV, we can't present our real human face. We have to like put all this makeup, even as a man, we put makeup on our face to make us look better on TV, right? Because we want this perfected version of ourselves, right? It's pretty crazy. Um, and I think the real question is how, do, how if the world expects us to be basically inauthentic, how can we ever be truly authentic in, in ourselves? Um, and I think at the key, at the, the core of that is really Christ's body, his church, is the only place that we can truly be authentic and be who we are is when we're with God and with his people that we can let our guard down, we can let our walls down, and we can be who we've been made to be. We can be our broken self. We can have those conversations that are difficult. We can share our struggles um, because this is a safe space for that. And so um, I've asked Yvette to, to read Romans 3. We're going to start in verse 21 and read through verse 28. Then kind of take that apart and put it back together tonight as we talk about what it means to be authentic. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right when, with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Wow. 
Isn't that great that we're made right with God through faith and not obeying the law, not by following all the rules, right? If you can read the whole book of Leviticus and there's no one in this room who can possibly fulfill every one of those laws. And some of them are even a little bit crazy if you read that book. Uh, we're not going to study that one together um, unless God really tells us we're supposed to. But I love that we're not made right by God, by our our ability to be good by our ability to try harder our ability to muscle it up right and make it happen we're made right with god and with one another in in relationships with each other by our faith in jesus by because of what he's done for us and so at mosaic um we value a culture a heart attitude an atmosphere of authenticity where we have humility and we provide a safe space for people to be themselves. We admit our faults and realize that each of us is a work in progress, all trying to become more like Jesus on a daily basis, right? It, Mosaic is a people who value spiritual process over personal perfection, right? We realize that all of us is in a place, even when we come to know Christ, um, we have this radical transformation that begins to happen in our hearts. But there's this other process that we need to go through as we become more like Jesus. It's not like all of a sudden when we come to know Christ, everything just falls off of us and we never want to do anything bad anymore, right? We still have this sinful human nature that lives within us that God is in the process of chipping away and beating away and cutting away at, that he's doing surgery on us for the rest of our human lives to make us look more like Jesus, and so it's a process, it's not a point of perfection, right? Um, we're not going to value that. So the Apostle Paul, um, he brings us back to this light, this glorious work of Jesus that brought us into the most authentic relationship that we can have, right? And I think we can remember that moment that he talks about in verse 22, where it says, we are made right by God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. This is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. And so God, in his glorious nature, welcomed us um, in our sin, right? And we were good at it. Most of us were pretty good at sinning. We, we don't have trouble with that, right? We're, we have talent at that. We could be superstar sinners, right? But God, in that, he, he welcomed us into relationship with him, and he knew who we are. It's not like he was like, oh man, I didn't really know Riley when I said she could become my follower. I'm not sure about her now. I think I'm gonna have to, it's not like that. No, he knew who we were because he created us. And he welcomed us, and he's chose us, and he selected us, right? And he knows our faults and failures, yet loves, accepts, and forgiveness, forgives us out of his deep care and compassion for us, right? As his sons and daughters. And, and Paul, I mean, Paul it says, he continues on, he says, For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. And so all of us entered into this relationship with Jesus broken and completely imperfect, right? There was nothing that we brought to the table. It wasn't like God picked us like, like the NFL draft, right? Where you're looking for that number one player and you're like, he's got this skill and this skill and this skill and this skill. God looks at us and, and we have talent that he's given us, but there's nothing that makes him say, oh wait, he's, I, you know, He's got something I need, right? That we all come into this thing broken and beat up. Um, and that Jesus welcomes us in that. And by faith 
it, he continues that work in our hearts and our souls as long as we're on this planet with him, right? We've never reached perfection. I don't care if you're five or 105. As long as you're still breathing, God is still working in us, right? I have a, there's a guy at New Hope, um, Tom, who's like, I don't know. I always say he's like, a, he's like a million years old, right? And, and what I love about Tom is he's the kind of guy, he never stops learning. He asks you questions like, well, why do you do that? Or how did you, how did that happen? And you can just tell for the rest of his life, as long as his mind works the way it's supposed to, Tom's going to be a guy who lives in process of learning and growing. He comes to church and he brings his Bible and um, he, he can't hear everything, but the things he does hear, I'm sure that it processes in his brain. And, and he honestly, <laughs> eagerly has this desire to continue to learn and grow in this life. And I think that's how God has created us, right? Um, God doesn't value that perfection in us, but he values the process of us dwelling with him and allowing him to do that work in us. Um, and I have a little story I want to illustrate. So um, I spend a lot of time driving for work. I don't sit in an office. Luckily, I'm not sitting under the death of fluorescent lights all day long. That would literally suck the lifeblood out of me. Um, yeah. <laughs> Cassie does. But I travel from house to house, job site to job site in my truck. And I have a lot of free time um, in the car. I make a lot of phone calls. But I spend a lot of time um, as an internal processor. Darian and I were talking about this this week, but I spend a lot of time just processing through what I think about things, what God is doing in me, what I've read in scripture. I listen to a lot of podcasts, probably more than I should. I just listen to like everything and I come home to Cassie and say, I listened to these seven podcasts today. I'm driving around the car, you know, they're all like 45 minutes long and I just have all this stuff <laughs> rolling around in my brain. Um, but I spent a lot of time thinking and I was just, uh, I was driving and I was listening to this podcast and I was thinking this week and I just had one of those moments with God where I, I just felt this like really deep conviction in me where somebody said something and I was like, oh, that one stings a little bit, right? Have you ever had that moment where like somebody is teaching or you're talking with a friend or something and you just feel that kind of like, that kind of pinch of the Holy Spirit, like, oh, I'm not sure if I want to explore this one anymore. I think this is going to hurt a little bit, right? And I just began to hear God speaking to me about um, just uh, just about my heart attitudes, right? And it wasn't in this like booming voice. It wasn't in this like, Tyler, I need to talk to you. I'm just not spiritual enough for that. I mean, I just don't think me and God have that kind of relationship. It's more of this impression that he lays on my heart. Um, but I just began to, to think about these negative attitudes that I had begun to develop, right? And, and like I said, we, we, we don't need to be taught how to sin, right? And when we come to know Jesus, our sinful nature doesn't all of a sudden get lost, right? And so sometimes we can kind of, without even knowing it, just sort of slide down this road of, of allowing our heart and our mind to just go in directions it shouldn't. And I was beginning to think about my neighbors, um, about um, kind of these attitudes that begin to develop. And, and when Cassie and I first moved here to Stockton two years ago, uh, we made a, a strong effort to get to know neighbors. Um, we just we would go over and talk to them. We, um, we started doing Light the Night, which we're going to do here in a couple weeks for Halloween, where we'd invite them to all come over and watch a movie with us and have candy. And I mean, we made a very concerted effort to get to know their names. And I mean, probably could have done more, but we had this attitude that we really wanted to be Jesus in our neighborhood. We wanted our house to literally, one of the words that God gave us, to be a lighthouse and that we're part of that exuding light to our neighborhood because um, we have people who walk down the street every day 
Some of them are hoodlums. Some of them live in the neighborhood. Some of them are probably wanting to break into my house. Um, but we have people who are constantly moving around our house. And so we had this intention going in, these really good intentions that we felt like were from God. But as time went by, um, I began to be kind of hampered by the annoyance of neighbors. Um, I got annoyed that I had to call the cops on my neighbors, um, that there was a physical fight going on next door. I got mad because they were smoking marijuana at every hour of the day or night. Um, I started getting annoyed about um, just all the activities that were going on and and things just began to kind of prick at me and and bug me to the point where I can remember um, this, I said something to Cassie, I probably used a word I shouldn't, but I just said, can't they just get their stuff together? Like, can't they just figure this thing out? I was just so annoyed. It was like, I just feel like I'm dying here. And stuff was not the word that I used in that environment. But I just said, can't they just get it together? Right? And I just, and I was thinking about this in the truck. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's such a bad attitude. Right? Towards them. I began to judge them and write them off and harden my heart towards them. And began to believe unconsciously that, that God's reach was not long enough for them that his gospel was not good enough for them, that his love didn't have a chance to penetrate them. And I remember that, that God in the truck just said, Tyler, don't you remember when I rescued you when you couldn't get it together, right? And that wasn't a one-time thing for me. Maybe it was for you. God rescued you once and you figured it out, but he's constantly rescuing me from myself. Um, and he said, Didn't, uh, uh, do you think that anyone is too far gone for my love to reach them, right, in their brokenness? And I just was like, oh, I had to literally pull over to the side of the road. I was driving out in the country and I pulled over to a spot that said no parking and I stopped anyways. And I just had to sit there for a minute and just repent and just say, God, you know, I'm so wrong. I'm so wrong, right? And I wish that was like the end of it, right? The next day I woke up and I got a text from a tenant and I was really annoyed. And I was like, oh, I don't like this tenant, right? And it was like that same attitude was pulling up in me and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I caught myself like two minutes in. I was like, this is the same thing you dealt with me yesterday about, right? And I just was like, nope, I'm not going to have that attitude. I'm not going to choose that attitude today. And so I began, I realized I was beginning to expect perfection from somebody who had never even met Jesus. They had never even began the process with Jesus, right? And so again, I was valuing, like the world does, this perfection over process. And I was creating an environment in my head and in my heart that was not humble and did not provide a safe space for people to be who they are, right? I was self-righteous. I was holier than thou, right? When it came to comparing my life to the lives of those who don't know Jesus, right? And I love how Jerry Cook in the book, Love, Acceptance, and Forgiveness, he says, and he's specifically talking about marriage in this environment, but I think it speaks to any relationship. He says, you must forgive um, for everything all the time. People need the security of knowing that they can blow it and still be loved and totally forgiven with nothing held over their heads. I am pleading for an environment of forgiveness in our homes or in our church where people don't have to wonder or endure some painful painful interlude before they can be forgiven, right? That we have an attitude, a heart, we have a culture of forgiveness, right? Where no one is better than anyone else, that we're all in process with Jesus. And I think this goes for all people who encounter Mosaic, whether that be in our Saturday gatherings, our Tuesday night Bible studies, or when we're at the grocery store, because Mosaic is not, it's not a location. It's not a gathering. It's not a Saturday night service. Mosaic is a people. And wherever we go, Mosaic is, right? And so wherever we go, 
we have to cultivate this, this uh, process of authenticity. People should be able to be loved, accepted, and forgiveness as we live in authenticity in our process with Jesus. And this doesn't mean, however, that people can come into our home, which is our church, and they can just blow stuff up, right? We all know that there's some crazies out there and God loves them, but they will never be allowed to come into our environment and blow it up and wreak havoc, right? On the contrary, we also value Christian accountability, and we, but we don't expect a, a, a standard of perfection. Jerry, again, in the book says it best. He says, love is not license, acceptance is not agreement, and forgiveness is not compromise. So even as we love and we accept and we forgive, there are boundaries in relationships, right? The same way that um, if somebody was abusive in their language towards us, we would continue to love them and forgive them and accept them, right? But that doesn't mean they're going to be our best friend. That's not how that works, right? So even as we create a culture of authenticity, there's going to be people who come in here and test it. And we are gatekeepers. We are defenders of it. Because we cannot provide a safe space if there's one person who's ruining the safe space for everyone else. Does that make sense? So, with that being said, Mosaic should be a safe space for all people, including those who know Jesus and don't know Jesus, to be real and honest and vulnerable as we go through the process of becoming more like Jesus. That same guy that I was listening to the other day, he has this church in Los Angeles, and he says that... Um, that he, he has this open door policy. He's like, yeah, we have a church of atheists and Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus. And we teach Jesus. But what we show is that, that we're authentic enough to say, come on in. And we're going to show you Jesus, but we're not going to judge you and where you're at. We're just going to show you, keep showing you who Jesus is. Keep showing you who Jesus is. And eventually these Muslims and these atheists and these Buddhists and these Hindus, they come to know Jesus, Right? But it's just this cool culture of like anybody can come from any place and they don't have to have it together. And we're not going to say that they're going to heaven. We're not going to say they're saved. We're not going to, that's a whole different road. But when they come here, they're going to feel like they're loved by Jesus and we're going to keep loving them and we're going to keep loving them and we're going to keep loving them. And you know what happens is Jesus breaks through and he begins to dramatically transform their lives. And that's the culture we want to create here. In a world that expects perfection, we have to have a space where we can truly be honest with God and transparent with others as we live out the process of being a Christian, right? Of being little Christs is what that means. Being little Jesuses throughout the world.